Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We just wanted to let you know, uh, today we're going to be talking to Aaron Longley. There's a little bit going on with the audio, but it gets fixed, so stick with us. It's a little bit of womp. Promise, it gets better. Keep watching. Thank you. <laughs> All right, are you looking to buy or sell real estate? Yeah. You've got questions. We've got answers. Welcome to the show. It's going to be great. Featuring Matt and Jen from Home Team for You. And now, without further ado, it's Matt and Jen. Hey, guys. It's Jen Stoddard, and I'm here today with... Matt Cornstead. Matt Cornstead. And we have some guests with us today. First, I would like to introduce Jake Newhouse. Tell us about yourself. Thanks, Jen. Um, yeah, I'm Jake Newhouse. I joined the team just a few months ago. I've been in real estate for about a year and a half. Have some construction experience background along with uh, some outdoor sales experience as well. So it was a good time for me to make the move, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you on TikTok? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I believe the TikTok is at jake.newhouse.realty. All right. And right, don't take team. the whatever. If you go to TikTok, it's all fun and games. It's being goofy. It's just all about a, a fun personality. So don't take any of it too serious. But uh, I know we're all having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, our team's really getting into to TikTok right now. And uh, Jake enjoys it a lot. Almost too much. <laughs> so if you want to know why you need a realtor, you should definitely go to his TikTok. <laughs> You sure? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. And now, Carissa Evans. That's for last. Oh, geez. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yes, Carissa Evans. I have been on the team here about six months and having a lot of fun with the real estate. Um, about 25 years of sales experience and um, running a business. And then also own a construction company with my husband. And we've subdivided, done subdivisions and um, sold lots and done all kinds of fun things. Swung the hammer. Roof the house. I don't want to do that ever again, but <laughs> I can if I have to. But I, I love, um, I love just being out helping people um, find what they're what they're looking for and what they need. So um, having a good time with it. Yeah. So any lot questions, new construction questions, yeah, all that kind of stuff. You're going to be awesome at. Oh yeah. Thanks. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have any uh, social media you want people to find you at? Well, you can find me on Facebook at um, Carissa Evans, and um, I am on Instagram. Thanks, Jacob, for helping me with my first post with words today. <laughs> so, like, I've really Most gotten heavy words. in Facebook, like, for the last 12 years. Um, but the rest of it, you know, it's coming. And I downloaded TikTok the other day. So All right, it's happening. It's Watch happening. out. She, she's going to take scared. over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then on Instagram, I'm Carissa underscore I'm power. I am P-O-W-E-R. So. All right. Nice. And Sounds when good. I figure the, t the TikTok is Carissa, I think it's Carissa Evans 50 or Carissa 50. I'll be 50 in three weeks. So Woo! I'm going with it this year. Mm -hmm. Yep, own it. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, what else is going on here, Matt? Uh, we have a distinguished guest expert. In the house. Erin Longley. <laughs> From Mutual of Omaha. Aaron, what's going on? Hi, Matt. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. You bet. Hello. We're going to have all kinds of fun questions for you. Today, we are going to be talking about the pre-approval process and right. uh, what people need to do. So do you want to first talk about uh, you and maybe Mutual of Omaha a little bit? And then we can kind yeah. of dive into yeah. it. Well, we've been 20 years already. 
Uh, I work for Mutual of Omaha Mortgage. Um, I work with first-time home buyers, experienced home buyers, uh, just about anybody. Are there any like specific loan types and things that you guys are uh, really uh, working with and that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, a lot of times first time home buyers you know, have little money, no money down. So we've got programs for them, uh, whether it be a conventional loan or an FHA loan. We have USDA loans, uh, VA loans, and we have some uh, other specialty things that uh, we can do also. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. So if we're going to kind of dive into the pre-approval process, so as, uh, as a lender, what are the things that you kind of go to people with first? And like as realtors, what do you want us telling people to be expecting? Well, obviously the first thing to do is to talk to a lender. Um, we kind of give you the roadmap of what to expect going into the process. You don't want to look at a house. Or get the whole truck and not be able to fall off or something, or realize that it's maybe out of your range. Um, so that's something I go through with them, or I go other options with them. Um, everybody's situation is unique. So you can't say, well, I heard from my co-worker at work this or that, because you never know what the situation was going into it. So you just need to speak with an expert, such as myself. Um, and then you can get with your realtor and, and start looking at homes if you qualify. What do you think is the term that most confuses clients? I know. Yeah? All right, what is it? Pre-qual versus pre-approval. Yeah, you could have that. You guys know what the difference is? Aaron, what's the difference? I missed your question. Uh, between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval letter. Well, that's a good Question. Usually when you're pre-approved, I've looked at your income and pulled your credit and you've given me all the docs I needed uh, versus you just verbally telling me what you all did. So you've actually pulled some yeah, information. Yeah, so I made this, I made that. I mean, you see situations where borrowers tell you one thing, but when you get the document, it's different. So it's very important to get as much documentation from a borrower to start with so we can see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the documentation, uh, what are some of the things that people should be sure that they have or be thinking about? Um, your asset statement, uh, you know, depending on what you're looking to put down or not, the asset statement, um, definitely your uh, two years uh, income statements with the W-2s or federal tax returns. Um, I think that would be the most important piece of where to start with along with the up and application. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Jake, when you're talking to somebody about the pre-approval process, how does that start for you, and how does it kind of get to the lender, and how does that all work? So I found that a lot of times people think they, they know all the numbers beforehand. So when I first start talking to people, their focus is always on the house. I want to look at this house. I want to look at that house. I'm in this price range and we kind of want to stop them in their tracks a little bit because we don't want to start looking at $450,000 houses when maybe realistically they're in the budget of $300,000. And I think that's really important to have that conversation up front to kind of set that standard so we're not spending all this extra time possibly looking at a house that we can't we can't afford. Chris and I were talking about this earlier. 
about you'd you'd hate for someone walking in that first house and f- absolutely fall in love with it, and then we realize that it's it's not even within our reach because then they compare every house to that four hundred thousand right. dollar house versus that they can afford. Right. Well, and, and even expanding on that a bit, but um, not only maybe they can't afford it, but they haven't started the loan process, and in this market, the house they love today is gone tomorrow. They don't have time for that. So, I think it's important that they definitely are pre-approved prior to even you know, getting serious about, about purchasing. I think it's important to contact a reputable lender like Aaron, that at least you know that if it's pre-approval, then it's legit instead of a a wish. Mm -hmm. Right. I I think that that's another part of that, that puzzle too, when to have that conversation. Cause a lot of people say, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll just contact my bank where I have my bank accounts. And they don't understand that there are people like Aaron Mm -hmm. out there that this is what they do every single day. This is their area of expertise where uh, a big national bank or just a bank in general, they have so many other working parts and pieces that that may not be their one main one main area of focus. And one other thing, you guys kind of mentioned it, but when people go out and they look at houses that are above their price range and then they realize that they can afford less, there's like a grieving process and it can take months for people to be able to realize that, you know, all of those awesome amenities that I thought I could have, I can't have. And now do I want to settle? So it, it can really make the process longer because people are just kind of grieving, which is understandable. But if we can help them to not have to go through that pain, that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think, uh- I can jump in there for a second. I think one thing uh, that's important when you talk to home buyers is a lot of them, you know, online tools today are everywhere, right? A lot of them are not accurate. Um, they'll look at a house or whatever and they'll say, hey, same as 900 bucks. And, you know, they don't know about taxes and maybe PMI or maybe insurance or what to expect. So they're thinking, they'll oh, look at this house and here's their payment. And then, it, then they talk to somebody and they'll have their dash right off the bat because now they're deflated like that. I didn't know that. So, yeah. Just based uh, on a mortgage know, calculator versus uh, actually taking account. Time buyers or any buyers just need to understand. There's, there's a lot of pieces that also go into that uh, puzzle there. So, in yeah. my it's important to speak with somebody before you even get your hopes up of going out and looking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the process, hey, you can go to a. Um, one of the mortgage calculators and it can look like you're awesome or you can go to those sites that are like, okay, you're pre-approved. I'll poop you out a letter. And then you actually talk to someone like Aaron and they start looking at your debt to income ratio and it's just wildly off. So you think Mm -hmm. that you can do it and there's just no way. Um, Can you talk a little bit about like debt to income ratios and how that works and where people want to try and land their ratios to make them so they can get mortgages? Sure. Uh, Debt to income ratio, it's it's a division of your uh, debt to your income. Obviously, it's gross monthly income for borrowers. Um, You know, for a lot of borrowers, it can be somewhat confusing, which is fine that they don't have to deal with it, but it's very important on our end. um, And depending on your loan type, the uh, ratios change, um, and depending on your credit too. I mean, sometimes you can get a little bit higher ratios if your credit history is a little bit better. Um, so there's no necessarily draw in the line for every single person. Again, that's why you need to speak with somebody. But there are parameters that are typically set. Uh, the housing payment, they say 28%. You know, you go to 32% of the gross monthly income for your housing payment. And then you have an overall debt ratio payment that includes your housing payment. 
than the rest of your payment. Um, and that's another number, too, that we look at. So that is important um, to, to look at your overall depth before you apply and see where you're at. Sometimes there we get the question of, well, if I have, if I'm pre-approved for, by multiple banks or lenders, does that hurt my credit score? Was that a question? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> if I go to multiple places, does that hurt my cre- credit score? Question mark. <laughs> if I get pre-approved by multiple banks or lenders. What is it like to be pre-approved by multiple well, if you get if I get pre-approved by multiple banks or lenders, does that ding my credit score? Uh, once you start doing that multiple times, yeah. I mean, it's not something you, you want to do, but, you know, obviously as a consumer, to look around is not the worst thing in the world, but you don't want to be going to many of them and going to apply for a car loan and, you know, going down to Best Buy and buying a TV for the house you might buy soon. I mean, there's all things <laughs> you got to uh, take into consideration. And I try to remind followers of that stuff. Sometimes it falls on deaf ears, but it is very important. I have a question on that, Aaron. So, of course, we want them going to Mutual of Omaha and Aaron Longley to get their loan. But um, to expand on Matt's question a little bit, how many should we tell them? You know, like, because I have had that question. Well, I don't want to go to too many places. I don't want my credit to get dinged. So um, mm-hmm. when it comes to, but it's, I think it's important also to look at the different rates at different lenders. So how many would you recommend? He'd recommend one. One. <laughs> well, I know. He just know. wants one. <laughs> I like to think there's one call and that's me. But, <laughs> and that's why he trusts me. You know, it's a good question. It's a hard one to answer. I, you know, from my perspective, um, I know that we're very, very competitive and super, you know, strong. And I feel that uh, you'll get the best deal co- coming to me. Um, but for the person that's like, well, I just want to check around. I think a second one wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them. Um, you know, just to just to be like, okay, that sounds too good. Or maybe well, that sounds high. I heard this or that, you know, to check around. But, uh, of course, I would say I'm the best. So of course, yes. I think you also As have to watch, would. you also have to watch for, uh, if there's any fees that might be involved if uh, if they're saying the rate's super low compared to anybody else, there could be some fees involved. And, um, exactly. those are the questions that they got to ask. And those are things I try to tell buyers. Up front. I don't wait for them to ask me. I tell them what it's going to be. So they're aware of it. You know, I hear other places, uh, you know, and that, and they just go on the lake and that's where they go. And it's very disappointing at the closing table. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think to kind of spin Carissa's comment to her question is, a lot of times it's not even so much we want to send them to get two or three opinions. A lot of times it's, oh, well, I just got pre-approved by my bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's great. But here's some other options that I think are going to be very competitive, if not more competitive, and then the response is always, oh, well, yeah, but I don't want to ding my credit. Mm-hmm. So knowing that just mm-hmm. a couple getting that second opinion in this case, hopefully coming to someone like you, Aaron, is mm-hmm. is very reassuring to us that it's it's not going to really affect that credit. That's right. Another important question uh, that you being on the front lines that they need to answer if they're looking is, hey, cool, you're, pro- you're approved with XYZ. What is their turnaround time if you get an accepted offer? Today's market's busy. So. Yeah. It's another big question to ask. Whereas here, you know, priorities uh, are purchases for us, and uh, we'll make sure we get it done. So, you didn't do too bad on our refis either, Aaron. Just so you know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I took care of all that. They could, they could uh, vouch for me. Mm-hmm. 
So in, in this day and age right now, if somebody said, I need to turn over uh, an accepted offer really, really quick, what's the quickest yeah. you think we could do? I mean, 30 days would be moving. The biggest thing is the appraisal right now. It's, right. I mean, there's so many pieces that come into this as we talk, but, uh, you know, appraisers are backed up. You know, you go into these so-called remote areas, you know, even out of just the county a little bit, and, you know, there are three weeks to get your appraisal back. It can get tough to turn it around. Can it happen? Yeah. The underwriting with us is not the issue, but uh, it is for a lot of lenders because they're overworked and understaffed, but the appraisal is the biggest thing. So that's another thing we got to consider. Uh, you know, when you're making offers too, is, hey, let's check out and see how long it's going to take to get the appraisal. And that should be handled up front too. And if you know it's going to be an issue, it needs to be talked about right off the bat, not wait till the, the very end. All right. One of the things that I don't think that a lot of borrowers understand is how often loan programs change and the rules yep. changing. So when they think that they can just Google stuff, stuff <laughs> changes, I mean, right. all right. the time. I mean, can you talk about that a little bit, Aaron? Good point, too. You know, underwriting guidelines changed when COVID hit, right? We, we had March here, and everything changed all of a sudden. And then as a few months go on, other things changed. Maybe they relaxed back to they were. But, they, you know, there could be an announcement tomorrow that something changes. And, you know, it, for pre-approved borrowers, you, if it affects them, we have to go back through and see how, how it affects them. Um, you know, in a typical year, it's not – super many changes obviously this last year it's been very many changes it can be hard to keep up with um but we do so yeah it's something you know to consider when when people are looking to buy a house too so when people hear the the word pre-approval does that actually mean they're approved for the loan i'm sure that's might be a question somebody has so if you give me yeah so if you give me a pre-approval does that actually mean that i'm approved for that loan yeah yeah pre-qualified is when they just apply verbally pre-approved as if i have all their stuff and i verified it but then that might not necessarily mean that they're approved for the loan yet. They're just looking good. They're just looking good. Yeah. I mean, typically you don't, I mean, we can, if some, you know, get an underwriting approval be, before they go out and search. If I have even remote, like, oh man, I'm not sure about this for some reason, you know, we can do TBDs, which means to be determined properties and get a pre-approval or approval on a, you know, a property that we don't have yet. But typically your file doesn't go to an underwriter until you have a property but it's our job as a loan officer to, to make sure when you, you know, you, you tell somebody they're approved that you're not going to have an underwriting issue. Not saying it doesn't happen, but. Right. Job uh, changes or whatever <laughs> might happen. Based on my experience and all the documents you've given me and, you know, our underwriting systems that we use that I run it through beforehand, you're good to go. Nice. So there might be a, like some of the first time buyers may have the question of, does it cost any money to get pre-approved? Uh, not with us. We don't have any application fees for pre-approval at all. Nice. And uh, easy to do online. You can fill out your information. Um, and typically, if I get one, you know, an application, I try to get back to the next day, if not within 48 hours for sure. Does Mutual of Omaha have, Mutual of Omaha have an app that they can apply on? Yeah, an app. Yep. Uh, it's very user-friendly. It has calculators on there that are accurate. Um, it lets you know what's going on in your loan process at all times. If you really like that, it gets updated every time something happens. Um, you can submit docs right through it by taking pictures with it if you'd like to. Um, our technology is very good. So you can pretty much do all, your whole loan application through the app? Yes, you can. Yep. Submit it on, on your smartphone. Do everything through your smartphone. I have uh, many people that I've worked with that don't have a computer or even a you know a scanner or anything like that. And they do everything, upload it through their phone, and... Uh, work it that way. 
from application to, to the end. So simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes, it, makes, like it, it. makes it faster. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, no doubt. So Jake and Carissa, have you heard yeah. your buyers complaining about having to try and get paperwork in for all of the different things that like documents and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, I definitely have. There's a couple transactions I'm dealing with right now that there's, I think the biggest challenge that some of my buyers face when they may not choose to use one of our trusted lenders is the communication side of things. So it is last minute, oh, oh yeah, I need this paperwork or I, can you quick sign this? And then we get it signed, but there's not an easy way to get it back to them. And then that information isn't updated in a timely fashion. And it, 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 it's like a snowball effect in that sense. So absolutely, there are, there are challenges with getting paperwork on time, getting people to answer the phone, to get us the information so we can re- relay it back to our buyers, which is really important for us as agents too, is as we're only as good as all the people that we work with. So we could be a great agent, but if we can't get the lender to cooperate, it can make us look like we don't know what we're doing. And so that that's certainly one of the big reasons why we like to use our trusted lenders because we know that they're going to come through for us when we need them. Yeah, definitely. The local lenders are, well, they're here. You know, they live in the community. They know the community. They, you know, we see them and versus something that someone that's at a, some national bank that's in whatever state. And do they really care? We know where Aaron lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, We're knocking his door at night and say, hey, Aaron, what's going on? Be like, it's 3 a.m. I can't get my upload to work. Help. <laughs> so really, somebody could just go to the app right now and just go through the pre-approval process, set it, submit it to you, and it's good to go. And they start asking yep. questions for what they need. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep, can be simple as that. It's changed a lot over the years. And, and you it's said that they'll have their information in about 48 hours then? Is that what you're saying, Aaron? At the most, yeah. I mean, I, if somebody's applying for pre-approval, I try to get on it as fast as possible because I know they're anxious. I know realtors are waiting to show them something. Um, so it's very important to get back as fast as you can. Aaron, for you, what what do you see as, whether it's from from somebody that's working with somebody in our team or just across the board, what do you see if if people come to you and let's say you're not necessarily their first choice, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that, when they come to you, they go, oh my gosh, thank you for this. Or I'm so glad that you're helping me work through this. Or I didn't get that from the other person I was working with. That's a great question. I like to say, I guess the most I hear is my responsiveness. And like I said, I, I try to tell the person information. I don't wait for them to ask me, especially if they're, you know, I'll say, oh, this is your fourth time buying a house. You know, a lot. I'll, you know, I'll tell you as much as I can, but I don't want to sound like I'm telling you something you don't know. You know, it's first-time home buyer. I mean, I stress to them, hey, property taxes, they might go up, you know, every single year. Be prepared. Uh, you know, just a lot of little things of what to expect. Um, maybe sometimes I get, well, they told me I could only qualify for this. Uh, well, I'm like, well, did they get all your information from you? Because you didn't, you obviously didn't tell them about this other job that you have. Why well, didn't? You know, those are the little questions you can ask, maybe help them get a more stuff. Or for the bad side, hey, they didn't tell you they paid, you know, some other things that they didn't disclose, and that happens too. So there's a long list of questions to be uh, asked 
to, to do really do a really good job. And I like to think kind of that's where I excel at. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So when it comes to those things that you're telling the first time buyers, what are some more of those things? Of like questions I ask them. Yeah. That you're kind of trying to make sure that they're aware and not surprised. Well, definitely the PMI thing. A lot of them, I don't think you understand what that is. What is PMI? Uh, let us, let us know. Insurance is a good question. Uh, it's required on loans uh, if you have less than a 20% down payment. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, people said, what does it do for me? Nothing. <laughs> it doesn't do anything for the borrower, but you got to you know, it insures the lender. You know, they're like, well, that's insurance. I'm like, no, you, you got to get your own homeowner's insurance still, but this insurance protects the lender, in, in, you know, in the case of a default. At the end of the day, it's, it's, it is a, it's a certain percentage based on your credit score or loan to value um, and, and, the, and the loan program also. And people so can get rid of like, that, can't they, over what? time? People can get rid of PMI over time? Correct, yep. It'll automatically fall off at 78% loan to value if you keep your loan that long, uh, which you know people used to. It doesn't seem that way <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you put down 5%, you know, there's a certain time it'll fall off automatically when your purchase price you know, reaches down to the 78% loan to value of whatever you owe on it. What determines um, you pay, the value? You, there's no penalty. But uh, it'll come off automatically. Then, obviously, the other choice would be to have know that you have twenty percent uh, equity in your house. You can do it by a refinance at, at that time too. If you're looking to refinance, maybe rates are better. Maybe you're trying to. Who knows? Every situation changes of why people refinance. It's not always just to get the lower rate. Maybe it is just to get rid of your PMI. Um, you know, in the house, like right now, the values are really appreciating greatly. People that put down ten percent a couple of years ago are getting rid of their PMI right now just because of that. How do you determine the value of the house when you're talking about the 78% loan to value? Who determines what the value is? So it's 80% if you're doing a refinance, but if you don't do anything from it, it goes off the, if you're talking about purchase, it goes off the purchase price uh, for what you bought it for. So if you bought, bought a house for a hundred thousand dollars and put $5,000 down, you got a loan of 95,000. When it gets down to 78, that will be gone automatically. So what if if the value jumps in an area, let's say we buy in a a hot area and the value of the house jumps up, can we have the house reappraised or can a realtor take a look at it? Third option, you can actually talk to your current servicer and request a PMI uh, if you want to get it removed. And they'll say, okay, you pay for an appraisal, we'll get it back. And if its value is there, they'll just remove it. And there's certain situations you'd want to do that. Again, if you're in a really low rate and rates aren't low anymore, um, that's always an option too. You can go right to, directly to your servicer and all they'll require you to pay an appraisal up front. And, uh, when it comes back, they'll let you know what it's at. That's a good point. So if rates are lower, it's almost better to refi because you still have to pay for the appraisal anyway. Correct. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point. Exactly. And like I said, sometimes, uh, you know, works to their, their advantage regardless, of, you know, on rate, if you're paying a lot of PMI, it's always good to get rid of that. Absolutely. What is the average PMI? I mean, is, I, there probably isn't an average, but what do you think a average PMI uh, cost is per month for a borrower? Well, it's all based on a rate and your loan amount. So it's a, it's a percentage of your loan amount. Um, and, you know, it can get expensive in a, in a quick hurry, depending on your loan program. FHA has their own standard set amount, um, <clears throat> which is, you know, their rates are a little bit better, but they're, you know, PMI. It's not called PMI with them, by the way, but it, that's how it's charged. Uh, and uh, conventional loans, it all depends on your down payment and your credit score. 
Speaking of credit score, let's talk about that a little bit. There's a ton of people that have questions about credit score. What's good credit? What's bad credit? Can you kind of go over that a little bit? Sure. Um, you know, the credit scores range from 400, which is very poor, to about eight, uh, 820, I would say, which is very good. Um, what qualifies for each program can, can differ, but obviously being in the mid to upper 700s will get you the best of everything um, on a conventional side. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't, you don't have to have that to, to get a loan, but people ask, well, what's the best case scenario? Well, being this over 740 would be fantastic. Um, but when you're in the 600s, there's still options for you. Uh, you know, for low down payment programs, it's still very good programs to get into. Um, I know some people are like, well, my credit score is only 680. I don't think I can get a house. Yes, you can. Or, you know, at least, like I say, talk, you know, talk to a professional if you're even interested. There's no cost to, to do it. Um, it doesn't mean you have to buy a house tomorrow either. I think the biggest thing uh, that I see is people don't get pre-approved early enough. If they know they want to buy a house next year, call me today and see where you're at. You know, maybe there might be things you have to do or can do to improve. So next year, because you know next spring you want to buy, then you are ready. But don't wait till next spring and then say, oh, I got to get my credit scores up or I got to get rid of this debt or who knows. Uh, you know, they're getting a gift, but it's, you know, they didn't know that was an option or, I mean, so there's a lot of things that can help if they look well ahead of time. And uh, so they know what to expect when the time comes to put them in the best situation. Yeah, the loan to value would be a huge, huge bump if they got in early enough to pay off like a car loan or, you know, some kind of yeah, credit exactly. card. Yep, exactly right. And uh, if you check fast early enough, don't wait for a you know. Well, my lease is up uh, February twentieth. I need a house. Uh, you know, <laughs> probably should have done it a while ago. <laughs> we hear but I know we're all procrastinators. Hey, I'm not. You know, a lot of things I procrastinate too. That's what your wife told us. Yeah, that's what your wife said. Um, We have a lot of people, like, when we're talking to buyers and things, we hear a lot of, like, crazy things that they say, well, I'm going to do this to try and raise my credit score. Is there anything you guys have kind of heard? And, like, I'd love to ask Aaron if it actually could work or if it actually hurts. Like, people say, I'm going to pay off all my judgments, but then it's like, is that bad because you're getting rid of all your money? Right. Right. So are judgments held against you and when it comes to getting a loan? I mean, yeah. Talk, talk about that. If you could, Aaron, what do judgments matter? I mean, uh, you know, it's all come down to score. I have the judgments on there. Won't necessarily uh, say, you know, you can't get a loan because you have judgments. So the answer does it, it could change things. It just depends how old they are, what they're for, how the rest of your credit is. But just having a judgment does not uh, disqualify you from getting a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, same as medical collection, they've changed uh, that. Uh, you know, somewhat recently, medical collections are not even supposed to uh, ding your credit score anymore, like they did at one time for medical collections. Um, and those can be what they are and still qualify for your mortgage. Um, but I think it's a good point too. You know, p- people hear a lot of things, right? Like you said, there they Google things or hear things or. I'll get their application and they're like, yeah, I just paid all this down, you know, and did something. I'm like, uh, you should have asked me before you d- did what you did. Uh, you know, things like that too. So by, by no means am I a credit expert, but I've seen it. I've done it for 20 years and there are credit experts if you need that help. But usually I can have a pretty good idea by looking at it, 
what you should do or, or shouldn't do to uh, make your situation better. Um, so for our first time buyers out there that maybe have just finished school, um, yep. how does that, how does it actually affect them for, uh, you know, having student debt? Yep. Uh, student debt is, is, uh, plays a big factor in uh, your approval process. Um, you know, student loans are accounted, uh, against you, even if they are deferred, um, you know, if we can get proof of what the actual payment be once it starts, or we just have to use, you know, depending on what loan system we use, you can use a half percent of the balance or 1% of your loan balance if you don't have a payment due yet. Fannie Mae's 1%, Freddie Mac's a, uh, half a percent uh, you have to use for payment, but you definitely have to use your payments, uh, student loan debts, r- whether you're starting to pay it back today or in two years. Okay, good answer. A great question. Yeah. So I get uh, kind of a, a piggyback question to that then. As we were mm-hmm. talking and Jen asked the question about what what have we heard people say, oh, I'm going to do this or that to to make things better. But I think mm-hmm. the most common one I hear is people that know that their credit score isn't great. Mm-hmm. will go out and look at a, a house or two and we'll get deeper in that conversation. And they'll say, oh, well, I'm paying off one credit card tomorrow. And then mm-hmm. next month I'll have this other credit card paid off. And I'm not sure how much that affects and how quickly it affects the your credit score, if at all, and if it's just solely dependent on that the amount of that credit card or of that debt that you have that you are paying off, uh, if sure. you could kind of expand on that, so we'd have a better idea yeah. of how that conversation looks. Yeah, it does happen. I've had people have to pay down some debts to get their scores, to, or you know, asking what they do. Um, when we pull somebody's credit report, there is a little analyzer in there. I could say, hey, you know, this, if this debt went to this, what would the credit score change? How much would it affect it? Uh, you see it mostly uh, if you have a lot of credit cards and all the balances are um, you know, near the, the limit. That's a big thing. So um, a lot of times people have to pay down, you know, they owe two grand a credit card and the, the limit's, you know, two grand. It hits your scores harder than you think, especially with young credit, you know, uh, meaning you've only had the credit card for a year or two um, where I'll plug it in and say, hey, pay this balance down to 1200 bucks or score will go up 25 points. Um, and you, you do see that. There's a, you know, there's no like um, handbook on, well, do this and that. So it's all based on, like you said, uh, different scenarios, how long people have credit, their age, what, you know, all those fun things. But it's something when I pull it, I can, you know, talk to them about so it'd be a good idea to make sure they talk to their lender first before they say, well, I'm going to pay this, this, and that, and then go apply. Eh, I'd probably apply first. On the flip side to that, um, people that have credit cards that have no balances, but they've got a lot of them. Great question. So is should they be canceling those cards? Is it true that that hurts your credit when you cancel a card? Uh, how should someone handle that? You know, if they have a lot of them they don't use, uh, you know, Shutting off a couple of them isn't the worst thing in the world. Or I tell them, don't leave them all just dor- dormant. You know, if you just charge your gas on one and groceries on another and just pay them off, they want to see utilization and the ability to pay back. That's how your scores remain high or, or stay stay good. It's not like, well, I don't want to have a balance. It's bad for my credit. No, no it's not. It's not bad for your credit. Um, they want to see you borrow and pay back and have the ability to keep doing that. So, um, so, so asking you know, for a friend... <laughs> 
just saying. Um, so I should only have my friend should only have <laughs> two credit cards that I'm that she's using all the time and paying off rather than I don't even know how many cards seven cards that just don't get used. Is that what you're saying? As much as it, it is what people say. I mean, if you have a bunch of cards that you don't use, it's fine. You just have to have. It's a good idea to have some that you do use. Is okay. more important got it. versus leaving them off. Sit there, and be like, yeah, I got seven cards. I don't use any of them. Well, it, it's going to affect your credit because you have credit, but you don't use it. So they just get um, you coming and going, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think it just shows also that you're you're responsible enough to pay the yeah. the balance off per month, and I think you're that's what they want to see. You borrow, you pay back. You know, it's not necessarily about the amounts either. I mean, overall, you know, what you owe, um, it's just about your ability to keep paying and paying on time. That's what they want to see. Somebody will borrow as much money as you keep paying every month. They'll just keep borrowing to you. I mean, you know, they want to. Borrow. That's how they make money. It's called Internet Mutual of Omaha. That's right. Yeah. I've heard with credit cards that uh, it matters. Like, if you're going to, like, say you're like Carissa's friend and you potentially have, like, seven credit cards, that it's better to keep the one that you've had longer because if you get rid of, like, credit that you've had longer, it's more detrimental. Does, I mean, any thoughts on that? Um, you know, I don't know that. I see some trade lines that people have had for quite a while and their credits, the credit's good. Uh, established credit's the best. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a first time buyer and maybe opened up a car loan six months ago on one credit card and that's all you have, it takes a little time. You have to, uh, you know, keep making payments and maybe even get another card and, they want to see the ability to pay over a period of time. So I would say keep, you know, if you've had a car for a long time, I think it's a good idea to, to keep that one uh, going. So um, when it comes to young people and yeah. uh, them getting loans, what do you suggest that they do to build up their credit? I suggest they do borrow money, uh, whether it be credit cards and a car loan or a personal loan. Any kind of credit establishes what they need. Um, and for a period of time, I tell people, like you said, the myth is, well, I don't want credit. It's a double-edged sword. You need credit. You need credit cards. You need to show the ability to pay. Take out a credit card. You know, if it's your first one, they might only give you a balance of 300 bucks. Well, use it. Use, charge your gas and pay it off and charge your gas and pay it off. And then, you know, people will be more willing to borrow you another money to buy for another credit card. And, and then you want to get a car loan. Well, you've got two credit established. And you go to the mortgage side of it too. So, uh, young people, you definitely uh, want to do your best um, to take out some credit and use it, and be sure to pay it on time. <laughs> so, question for you about that, Aaron. I know, like, you have young kids like we do. Um, yeah. Once they are able to get that credit card, are the parents are they are we liable? Are we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually what I was asking. But oh, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> no, I was asking if the parents can. Yeah. Granted, it's their credit card. Can the parents be attached to that credit card and help them pay gas money or whatever to establish that yep. credit? You can be an authorized user on it, or you can go the other way, uh, be an authorized user on the card. Uh, they don't know who's paying it. So, right. Um, right. Or if you want to, you know, it's in their name just to help them out, but you, right. you know, make sure you pay it. That's Nobody's going to know that part. That's sneaky, man. Yeah. You like what you think? I'm thinking yeah. our kids are getting credit cards. They're probably going to be like, I love this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they're going to charge a car or yeah, something. Charge a car. Like, Look what I got. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron said I could do it. It helps when I buy a house. 
zero balance. This is great. Just build in my credit. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. My credit. Our, our kids would say, now you guys have to pay it off. You don't want to wreck my credit forever, do you? <laughs> <laughs> my kids would not say that. <laughs> Because they know what the reply to that would be. <laughs> Sucks to be you, child. Uh, Figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so fun. Yeah. Yes. All right, what do you got, Matt? Um, I think he hit all of our questions that I had. Um, Any other questions that you guys kind of are thinking about with the pre-approval loan process? I think he hit it all. I mean, yeah. early and often. Get yeah, right. Early. Right. It's it's yep. a lot. I think it's a lot of information. And anybody mm-hmm. that does watch this, I think for us, it's it's reiterating that we are real estate agents and not lenders, right? Yes. So we don't right. want to ever put ourselves in a position where I'm trying to explain to you <laughs> what the pre-approval process is going to look like. We can dabble there but then it gives us a, a really great opportunity to pass that off to a lender like Aaron mm-hmm. to really be able to dive in uh, much deeper than, than what we can. So we need to continue to focus on being real estate agents because there are other people that are going to help us throughout part of this process that are experts in their areas. And I think it's important as well that um, we let buyers know that we don't ask, hey, are you pre-approved so we can make money? <laughs> it's just a pro it's like what you said jen in the beginning we don't want them falling in love with something and then having their hearts broken and having to have months of recovery basically mm-hmm. it's it's a huge part of the process it's a necessary the most necessary piece of the process it's the, probably the most painful part of the process for the buyer just pulling all the stuff together to make it happen and then maybe getting some disappointing news but it's better to have that information up front and know hmm, I need to sign my lease for another year or two or hey I'm good to go let's let's get in the process that's going with this but um, it's it's it is our job as agents to ask are you pre-approved and um, it's for it's for the buyer's protection that we ask that question absolutely and I think that's that's also important because um, and, and maybe you guys are different but what I've noticed, if a deal ends up falling apart, 99% of the time, it's because they can't get the financing piece in place. And that financing piece can go 21 to 30 days down the road, and it really, really stinks to get that far down the road when those people have they've cut their leases, they're, they've probably gone furniture shopping, they started to pack, do all of this stuff, come to find out 30 days later, up, oh, just kidding. So that's, I think, too why it's so extremely important to get in touch with somebody like Aaron, knowing that he's going to take care of you to make sure that, that that process does go smooth. Yeah, they've already mentally moved into the house. Right, right. right. Yeah. And I think about the sellers in that situation too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, Aaron, you want to give us, uh, give the listeners your name, number, email? they're going furniture shopping make sure they call me first <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not selling furniture are you so, so <laughs> speaking of they'd be like hey we know they're going there uh you know they better, let me look at the deal first you know because sometimes that does matter right we will find out if you take out debt before we close yep. and uh, that's another important thing again that i try to relay but 
um, you know, if you hear weird things, it's important to uh, make sure everybody's aware. But yeah, <laughs> you hear funny things at times. Yeah, don't buy a car. Don't buy a car. You know, yeah. that, people just don't know. It's not yeah. doesn't make them bad. Um, but <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into it, and sometimes people are stretching their limits when they get pre-approved. Um, <clears throat> and so any sort of other debt that comes up or they go do can affect the deal. And then everybody's like, well, why, why, why did, why did that happen? You know, they went and bought a car. They didn't say a word, <laughs> you know, we'll find out before we close. So <laughs> right before another, yeah, you gotta be careful of, well, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily impact, but sometimes it does too. Um, when I pre-approval buyers and, and send them something, I always have a do and don't list. And what I are some of the things on it? Uh, what's that? What are some of the things on your do and don't list? Well, it, it don't make large deposits in your checking account without consulting me first. Uh, there's reasons for that. Uh, money has to be sourced. I mean, there's a lot of underwriting guidelines I don't want to necessarily bore you with, but one of the things I'll say is don't make large deposits without discussing with me first. Uh, don't go take out new credit. Uh, don't just go have your credit pulled. If you're going to, call me and see what you're going to get your credit pulled with. Those are probably the, be, the three biggest things. I do have on don't quit your job in there, but <laughs> that is very good too. But I do have that as, you know, or, or, or before you switch job, don't quit your job or switch the job without at, talking about it first, especially if we're in the process. That's another thing. Like like you said, I know we're throwing a lot at you. These are things that, uh, you know, I, I talk to them about, but that is another big one. Uh, you know, people go from that and then, you know, they start a business next month and they don't say a word, they quit their job. Stuff like that does matter. Mm-hmm. And don't so lie do to your lender, right? That's right. <laughs> don't lie. It's like if you roll up in your new uh, Mercedes Benz, <laughs> he's going to know. Right. No. The current portion is they own a Toyota. What is that? <laughs> it's a Toyota, just different symbol. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Uh, you, you know, you guys hit all, did great, you know, on your end talking about, uh, you know, how it should be handled. Make sure they talk to a professional. Um, and it's, it's my job. I see it as to educate them as much as possible before they, you know, once they get to you. So like, Hey, yeah, Aaron said this, he told you to look out for property taxes. Here's the range I'm approved for. I know what my costs are going to be. I got the money in my account. That's a borrower that, that you guys want. That's a buyer you guys want. Hey, they did their homework. They talked to a lender. Here's what we can do, you know? Um, you don't want the one that, yeah, I'll call my bank. I'm fine. Or, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to go. I don't, you know, I want that house, but I don't have any money down for it. I mean, you know, those are all things that are, uh, need to be discussed before they start looking. It seems obvious, but you know, it happens. So sounds like a buyer's calling you right now. Somebody is. It's the Aaron hotline. (laughs) Hey, Aaron, can you give everybody your uh, phone number, email, contact information? Yeah, you can reach me. The best thing uh, is my cell phone, I guess. Nowadays, uh, we're all over the place. Uh, it's 608-239-7300. Um, or you can reach me at A. Longley, that's L-E-Y, and it's at uh, at mutualmortgage.com. Or you can send a message to Matt or Jen or whoever. They'll get you my information. And a, not my address. I didn't even know they have it. <laughs> <laughs> you can stop by his house located yeah. at <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I need a loan. Yeah. All right, so to kind of wrap things up, Biggest takeaway uh, for pre-approval, what do people need to know? The time it takes, like, and the documents that need to come together for it. I think that probably takes longer than the process itself on Aaron's end, is getting their documents together and what they need to bring in with them. 
So start early. Yep. Yep. That was going to be mine is, is start early. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to it. I just sitting here, my head spinning right now, just <laughs> thinking, holy cow, there's so much that goes into this mm-hmm. that it's, it's important to, to really kind of follow, follow the directions of the lender because they obviously know they're going to be able to set you up for success. What about you, Matt? Yeah, early and often. Early and often. And biggest takeaway, talk to a lender. Find and don't buy a Mercedes. Yeah, don't buy, <laughs> don't buy a Mercedes. It's, I mean, it is the, the first step that you really need to do when it comes to knowing what you're going to do because we really don't want your heart broken out there. Yep. I always say the educated buyer is, a buyer is a good buyer or a good buyer. They need to know everything when they go into this. Oh, is there'll be disappointment at the end, and that's going to be a reflection on me or yourselves, or they're, yep. you know, if they're say, well, they didn't tell me all this stuff. Don't work with them, you know. Um, so I try to educate them as much as possible. All right, sounds awesome. Well, we appreciate you being on. Thank you to our yeah, guests so much, and uh, everybody, uh, call Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's, That's a good right. ending. That's a good <laughs> ending. <laughs> call Aaron. Go, Aaron. Yeah. Don't stop by his and house. Call for you. They'll take care of you too. Yeah. You can also stop at his house at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, remember, I know your address, too. Oh, oh that's oh, right. Oh. But we don't live there anymore. West oh, what? No. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Yep. Thank you.